Spotlight. Brought to you by the Isle of Man Arts Council. Faster Mai, you're listening to Spotlight with me, Sarah Hendy. On the programme this week, we speak to one of the winners at this year's Sovereign Art Foundation Student Prize and we're joined by Liz Lempen of the Lempen Puppet Theatre Company ahead of their visit to the island. Email me via spotlight at manxradio.com if you have any creative happenings you'd like to tell us about and you'll find links, listen again and our podcast on the Manx Radio website. Liz Lempen of the Lempen Puppet Theatre Company is our first guest today. Her company are returning to the island to inspire the island's primary school children with their original productions. Where we see old cardboard boxes, Liz Lempen sees a carnival of animals. on Camille Sanson's Carnival of the Animals. Um, so I'm sure a lot of your listeners will, will know this music, but a lot of them maybe don't. When I was a child, it was, you know, it was the go-to bit of classical music for children. Um, but nowadays, uh, more children don't know it. It's an absolutely fantastic piece of music. And um, this is where we started from when we wanted to create the show, um, listening to this amazing piece of music and being inspired by it. Um, so he, he wrote it as a joke, and uh, it wasn't actually published, as I understand, until after he was dead. He was a very serious composer, and he wrote it as a joke, but it really, really is a f- most fantastic. And the more you listen to it, um, the better it gets, I think. Um, so he started with the music, and also, from my, uh, my perspective, uh, working with children over years and years, um, I, I've become worried for children of today that they don't get the chance to play enough they don't get the chance to use their imaginations enough. Everything's on screens, everything is targets, everything in school is all prescribed. And, and actually, when I was a child, we had our hands in the mud, we were like ripping up bits of paper, we were using mum's blender to make paper mache in the kitchen, you know. And we just, we had a, an amazing imaginative childhood. I think imagination is a bit like a muscle. Um, you need to use it in order to develop it. And it's something that every adult needs in their skill set, how to work around a problem, how to think around, out of the box. So using these two threads, we wanted to create a show which is playful, which inspires children to get stuck in and become creative and find their own creativity. So that was where Carpool Carnival was born, basically. In the carnival, it's quite interesting because we see some creatures who you might not uh, might not be the first animals to jump to mind when you think of a, a carnival of animals. No, that's true. First of all, the animals in the, in the musical score are, are kind of an odd bunch. I mean, there's there's a lion that you'd expect a lion. He's the king of beasts, after all. There's an elephant. There's a cuckoo. Um, there's some fossils. Don't know about them. Um, there's an aviary with birds, there's an aquarium, anything can happen, there's all sorts of unknown creatures that live at the bottom of the sea, there's some wild asses and some kangaroos, is that it? I, I do remember seeing a, a ballet dancing tortoise. Uh, the ballet dancing tortoise is a funny one because uh, that's where we use an extra bit of music. Camille Sanson stole from uh, an older composer, um, Offenbach, 
Um, Offenbach's Can Can is really famous. Um, everyone will know it. You know, and what he did is he slowed it right down, and he made it into the tortoise piece. And it is just such a beautiful, elegant, enigmatic piece of music as the tortoise. What we've done is we've put Offenbach's Can Can back in. So not only do we have an elegant barrelina of a tortoise, but we also have a, a triplet of mini tortoises that do the Can Can. And wow. um, ama- amazingly, we tried, when we first put the piece together, we tried it out on uh, three passing children. And after they'd seen it, I said, have you ever seen a ballet dancing tortoise before? And one of them said, yes, my friend dressed her tortoise up in a little skirt, and I think he liked it. (laughs) So it opens a whole new world, doesn't it? (laughs) Oh, yeah, I bet you didn't expect that answer when you asked the question. Who could have seen that coming? (laughs) I did not. Um, It's lovely to be surprised, isn't it? And that's that's one of the things that the performance does. It's full of surprises. saying about um, using the imagination and encouraging children to use their imaginations because like you were saying when we watch films or you know all of these animated uh, children's movies or even programs that you see on the television everything's very slick whereas you guys aren't afraid to kind of we can see your hands we can see you as puppeteers you are part of the performance we need to fill in the gaps for ourselves Um, one of the things that I do at the beginning of the show is I'm sort of scrunching and ripping little bits of paper and just kind of experimenting what does the paper do what does the material do and you just need to take a little bit of paper rip it fold it and immediately you've got a little flappy bird and puppets are best when they are simple I think you know the people try to make especially children you know if you give them a workshop making a puppet they'll go well I want it to have this and I want it to have six legs and I want it to be able to spin around and and I want it to have rods here there and everywhere and we try to do too much and it overcomplicates things so one of the kind of mantras I like to think within the show is less is more and and give ourselves space for imagination and let our imagination fill in the gaps and just look at something just refine it just take the essence of something and then start there you created all the puppets yourselves um can you tell us a little bit about your processes because they range as you say from the very simple where um, a piece of cardboard has been sort of torn into the shape of a bird Mm -hmm. maybe to the much more complex yeah i wanted to keep that simplicity there because if you present children with a show of you know beautifully carved marionettes they don't see it as something that they can do it's not accessible in the, I, I want to do that um, sort of step. Um, so th- it was really important to, to sort of keep them crude sometimes and simple and, and uh, just, you know, instant. But at the same time, people want to see a fabulous puppet and people want to see something that makes them go, wow. And, and I think probably the lion is the most formed puppet. The elephant's uh, quite a wow. Uh, for various reasons. And the swan, the swan is a wow. Um, And you just, 
I mean, I love I love making puppets, and I have to sometimes stop myself from doing too much with them. You know, let the material speak. Um, we our creative process has been going for thirty years now. We've been doing this as a company, so we've made lots of different sorts of puppets using different sorts of material over that time. And I do love to, you know, make a a, um, a more challenging um, build, a carved puppet or something. But um, paper and cardboard is such wonderful materials, and they're so accessible and cheap. Everyone can do it. something else about your performance which makes this this particular show so accessible is the fact that it is without words we might associate stories with words a lot of the time but you've you've taken that aspect of storytelling out and and made it something yeah. completely different it, that was a challenge for us it was a new one um we had never made a show without words we've done 20 productions in our um creative life and all of them had lots of words in and this one came out of the blue, in a sense, because we used the music for the inspiration point. There were always going to be periods when there was no words. But when it came down to it, as we started devising and putting the show together, words were just not necessary. Words would have interrupted and got in the way. So we've kind of um, had to develop a, a way of working that is much more visual and relies... I mean, we've always had visual side of our show but you know you can't there's one word in it actually when I say there's no words there is one word although some people say it's two and that is thank you the mm. funny thing is uh, sometimes we perform internationally and uh, so that's that's a great bonus having no words obviously because you can you can work anywhere you can you can work for anybody it's very very accessible um, but I sometimes forget that I've got this one word and I can learn it, obviously, in any language, but uh, I have been known to say it in English and go, oops. <laughs> um, but it, it, it's very refreshing. It's very refreshing not to have the words. We performed it um, a few times in schools where you have the majority uh, second language, um, second lang English as a second language learners, and there it sort of absolutely opens up the doors for, for children that are struggling with the language. And, um, yeah, I mean, you could you could perform it to deaf people you could perform it to just absolutely anyone it went to china last year we performed it in beijing at a, an international puppet festival and that was a, a real treat i'm sure it was and you do you travel all around the world and you also perform um a, a large number of your shows in in german as well the fact that you're going into schools and inspiring young people it makes me curious about how you came into the puppet world um well, I came into it through sculpture. I did a fine art degree and um, then accidentally found myself uh, r uh, roped into a puppet project and, and thought, this is it, this is me. I didn't sort of fancy life living in a garret, putting things on pedestals in galleries for people to stare at in silence. I knew that wasn't for me, but I was absolutely always inspired by a sort of form and creature and story behind the creature that I was making 
Um, so, so that was a accidental discovery. Uh, my partner Daniel, he was uh, working in a tourist office in Switzerland. He's Swiss originally, hence the German language market. And um, he was asked to stand in and do uh, some little performances for some tourist children, and uh, found found it that way. So a lot of puppeteers come to it quite by accident and uh, discover. This is something that they really, really enjoy. I've always loved stories as well, um, creating the stories and uh, and uh, using my imagination. Yes, that was always something that was really, really important. I love reading. Uh, in fact, it's amazing that I've got away from words in this way, but the next show we build, I think we're definitely also going to try and keep it wordless because it's so refreshing to do it. wonder if you might have I know this is a terrible question but if you might have a favorite because I don't know when you get to know these characters that you've created they must have personalities all of their own and almost feel like housemates maybe do you is there any puppet in particular or any story that you've become very attached to that you never really want to uh, sort of phase out that's a really difficult one um I think with any show, you've probably got your favourite character, and that will be connected with the character, but also puppets that work, that speak to you. From time to time, from time to time, you can um, you can have a puppet that um, actually turns and looks at you during a performance and gives you a look, and you, it gives you a shiver. You know, it's like, why did he look at me like that? Because you you do you have to believe in them. Um, we've got lots of shows that we don't perform anymore and shows that we have to go, well, we're never going to perform that and we recycle or get rid of the scenery. But the puppets, most of the time, we don't get rid of them. They live in our attic in boxes and come out occasionally for an exhibition or a, or a shop window or something like that. And when you do have to root through them and get them out, you go, oh, look, it's Finnebar. Oh, look, it's Strowski. Oh, look, it's so-and-so. And, uh, and they are like old friends or children, not quite like children, but um, having said that, because we've got two children and we cannot compare them, um, but, you know, they are they are real and alive to us. Yeah. Um, in terms of favourite character, I think Daniel would say Azar the monkey, who's been to the Isle of Man, of course. And I I have difficulty. I think I've got... Well, I've got a show called Journey of Turtle and George, um, who's named after Lonesome George, the giant tortoise of the Galapagos, who was the last of his kind. Um, George, he doesn't have a big part, just a cameo part, but he's got eyes. He's got eyes. He just looks at you. <laughs> wow. Gosh, yeah, it must be a really special bond that you form with uh, with these characters. Um, and young people in schools around the island can look forward to these performances very soon. But um, if I mean, if anyone listening is curious to see more of your work or perhaps attend a performance, um, what do you have coming up in the next couple of months that we might be able to um, travel along to, or or is there anywhere we can see more of what you do? I mean, we have on our website, which is lempen.co.uk, um, 
We have an itinerary, so anybody can look at that and see if we're anywhere near them in the world. Um, we ha we've got a fairly quiet spring at the moment. Um, we're going to Germany quite a few times this year. Uh, we're waiting to hear from the Arts Council England about funds for our festival, which we organised, Skipton International Puppet Festival. That's a biennial event, and uh, that will happen, if subject to funding, the first weekend of October. And that we have about 30-plus companies from all over the world coming, and we have a long weekend with about um, 80 performances, including walkabout, street stuff, free stuff, a giant parade, and about 25 ticketed shows, workshops. It's the, one of the biggest um, puppet events in the UK calendar, and certainly the biggest international family puppet festival. So, so that's something if people are puppet keen to put in their diaries and watch the website, which is skiptonpuppetfestival.co.uk. We'd love to perform a public show on the Isle of Man. That's something we've never done. We've been coming since 1992, and um, we've always worked just exclusively in the schools. But, yes, if anybody would like to host a Lempen production, um, I'm sure we'll be back and we could offer something um, for, for the general public to come and see. It's funny to think that we've been coming um, for that long because I do know that, um, you know, we're, we're performing to second-generation um, Lempen audience now in the Isle of Man. So it's kind of um, interesting. We, we love coming to the Isle of Man. We love, uh, we love the island and, and the connection and the people. Um, also, I should say, you know, this time around, um, thanks again to the Isle of Man Steam Packet Company who are helping us with the cost of, of coming across. And also thanks to the Isle of Man Arts Council um, who are helping with overheads making this, this year happen. And, uh, yeah, long may it continue. We, we love coming back to the Isle of Man and uh, we hope to come back again. If you don't catch us this time, maybe in the future, and come and say hello. Masterton, winner of the People's Vote in the Sovereign Art Foundation Student Prize, joins us now to tell us all about her winning piece, All Things Bright and Beautiful. Kira, you were the winner of the People's Choice Award in the Sovereign Art Foundation Student Prize on the Isle of Man here. How does it feel to, to win that award? I was really shocked on the night. Like afterwards, I started crying because I honestly couldn't believe that people liked my piece so much. Um, and the main reason I was hoping people voted for it was because the meaning behind the piece as well as what it looks like mm -hmm. but the meaning behind the piece is what meant the most to me anyway. I wanted it to represent um, animal cruelty so during school we all picked a topic and mine was animal welfare and had each piece representing something different and this piece represents animal cruelty because at first you see that like the prettiness of like all the makeup products that they can bring you whereas the stark reality of the face shines through and represents the reality of the animal testing and what actually goes on behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, you're right, because although at first glance it does look like quite a quite a peaceful scene, actually the, the rabbit looks a little bit startled, maybe. Um, is this something that's quite close to your heart, this, this, um, this cause? To begin with, it's not something I really looked into, but researching more into it and finding out the backgrounds behind actually what goes on, it's something that's really touched my heart and it has changed the way I view things. Mm-hmm. That's why I wanted to create something that people can connect to as well mm-hmm. and this piece I'm imagining must be part of a body of work that you did while you were at school um, can you tell us anything about the other pieces that you did along the same theme um, so one of them uh, portrayed two cows and this one represents the meat and dairy industry and I did a comparison on how people like in the UK they mass produce and in the Isle of Man it's completely different and the way they treat animals is completely different on the Isle of Man to the way it is in the UK. Over, like In the Isle of Man, we treat animals a lot better than we do in the UK because we don't mass produce as much. Mm-hmm. And my other piece was about uh, domestic animals and how we see like dogs and stuff as in the UK and in other countries as pets. Whereas in some countries you see them as food and you see a lot of feral animals as well, which we would normally have in our home so I did that one as well. Mm-hmm. And what kind of research did you have to undertake for this because it's it's a huge subject and knowing how to narrow it down and also finding the right sources that can give you the information that you need is quite a tricky thing to do. Did you did you speak to anyone on the Isle of Man who sort of told you more about how, how farming works over here and um, the, the dairy industry? Um, I did go to a farm in the Isle of Man but they let me go and take photos of their cows because they wanted to show people what it's like um, how it is over here compared to over in the UK. And you said it's something that's affected the way that you live now. Have you changed your habits at all with that? Yeah, I don't use any makeup now that is animal cruelty, and I always remind my friends, you know, about certain products. I'm like, well, you know what's in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, so some of them have changed their ways, some of them haven't. I've still got a bit of working to do on them, but <laughs> but wow. yeah. I suppose it shows just how amazing art is in that you can look into any topic that takes your interest and really work into that, but also how you can spread a message. Um, Who were your visual um, inspirations when it came to finding your style? Um, Well, I focused a lot on Franz Marc um, due to his colour theory. Um, With his paintings, different colours represent different feelings. So I used a lot of reds and blues to represent sadness and... um, the stark reality of the animal testing. Um, and I also studied Christina Murat, I think it's called, um, and hers is all about flora and fauna. So she was the biggest inspiration for this piece because hers is similar. You have the quite scary part of the animal with the decorative bits around the side to have a nice contrast between the two. Mm-hmm. Because I suppose it kind of draws you in, doesn't it? And then once you realise what the story really is, it's quite shocking because something that looks so beautiful has got such a powerful message. Um, and all the, the flowers and the patterns, it almost looks like Indian design, maybe some sort of mandala-esque, maybe kind of henna patterns. Was that part of your research tool? It wasn't actually. It's just something, when I doodle, that's just what comes to mind. So that's what I just practised with and it seemed to work really well. Um, to begin with, I actually made the designs on my computer, um, just having a mess around with them on Illustrator to see what fit where. 
And once I'd found the right patterns, I then produced them on the actual piece. Mm -hmm. And how did you produce them on the piece? Because looking at this picture, there are so many different techniques in there. You've got collage and layering and all sorts. What, how did you reproduce those images that you'd generated on your computer on the piece itself? Um, so what I started with, I used watercolour pencils and I drew out the patterns first. And then I lightly went over them with the water, which gave them a softer effect so they weren't so harsh. Um, and the bigger flowers, I used printing methods. So I'd do them on a polyester block and then I'd print them on. Just that so they, they you know, added some different layers to it. And I also, also used wallpaper with a bit of gold paint as well. Have you found a process or a media that you, that you really love working with uh, that's sort of become part of your work at college now? Because you're, you're studying at college now, is that right? Yeah, at the moment I'm at UCM and I'm doing my degree in visual communications. Um, but yeah, at the moment I'm doing some side commissions as well, which I do in pencil. So I really like the medium pencil. Um, but watercolour is one of my favourite mediums and it's always something I'll go back to. If people want to see more of your work or keep up to date with what you're up to, how can they find out what, what's going on? Um, I've just recently set up an art page called Kira May Art. Um, so if anyone wants to get in contact with me, they can just give me a message on there. Spotlight. Brought to you by the Isle of Man Arts Council. And as a final treat, Mark Tiley speaks to Michelle Jameson at her musical theatre showcase, marking the end of her degree studies at the Royal Conservatoire of Scotland. Amazing. How do you feel now? Oh, I'm so glad it's all over. I'm really, really glad it's over. <laughs> what an experience in the, one of the premier West End theatres. I know, it's mega. It's absolutely massive. It, we, were, we were taken a bit by surprise at how huge it is, but it was great fun. And you had a lovely audience. I know, really nice actually, for a, for a London audience um, that are just coming and going, you know, in their lunch break, it was great to have them so receptive. I was spotting, I was trying to spot the industry people, there were plenty in there. Uh, were you trying to put your start, yourself down as one, Mark? Uh, well, yeah, but I don't care. <laughs> I was looking for the entrepreneurs, that, that they, were in, they, were, they were in there. Yeah, they were, they were, so hopefully good will come of it, but it is what it is, you know, let's see. And I'm chatting to loads of people, and they all said they all loved it, and you know what, that whole crew of you, 15 of you, right? Yeah, 15. You could have just taken over a West End show now. We're a good old ensemble. Yeah, nice group and it's great. Wonderful bunch. It's the last year. Yeah, all done. So what's now? Well, we're going to go into rehearsals on Monday for Sunday in the Park with George, our next show, and then following that we do Pippin, which is our actor musician show, and then and then who knows? We we depart ways. <laughs> well, good luck and enjoy the rest of the day. Thanks so much. And that's all we have time for this week. I'll be back next Wednesday at half past five. But in the meantime, you can subscribe to Spotlight in the form of a weekly podcast via iTunes, Google Podcasts and Spotify, or you can download them from Manx Radio website. Thanks for joining me. Have a lovely creative week. Sign you.